I'm Chef Pete Gagan from Cargill, and we're in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats. It's a podcast where we'll be serving up insights and perspectives for chefs and food service professionals. And of course, we'll be digging into the world of premium beef. Because even with over 30 years of culinary experience, I still have an appetite for learning more. I hope you're hungry too. We're coming to you from the Cargill Innovation Center in Wichita, Kansas. And today, we're continuing our look at beef primals as part of a 10-part series. This episode, the Chuck Primal is in the spotlight, and we're proud to welcome Chef Dave Kuntz, executive chef at The Roost in Durango, Colorado, and Sterling Silver Signature Chef. He is joining us to give some inspiration and insight into traditional and creative methods to use the cuts of the Chuck Primal. For background, Chef Dave is a graduate of the New England Culinary Institute in Vermont and has spent time in the food world both here in the U.S. and abroad, including Chambry, France at the University of Savoie, where he became familiar with French food and traditions. His career has since taken him to Alaska, Boulder, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky, where he was the executive chef at Equus Restaurant. He's been in Durango for the last 17 years, working at the Strader Hotel and co-owning the Carver Brewing Company. And his work has been spotlighted locally and nationally in contests, food shows, and magazine features. He's been at the Roost since 2020 and was recently named the 2021 Colorado Chef of the Year by the Colorado Restaurant Association. Welcome into the kitchen, Chef. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, man, I know I'd, I'd reached out when I'd heard about your uh, winning of that Colorado Chef of the Year. But again, I want to congratulate you on that. It wasn't a surprise to me when I read about it and heard about it. So uh, congrats. That's huge. I appreciate it. I'm very honored. My peers supporting me in my work and uh, I love what I do. Well, hey, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about your background? So I've been doing this Quite a long time. I'd say this is my 42nd year cooking. Um, I started out in my seventh grade cafeteria. I was introduced to a job opportunity from a woman who we sat next to at church. Okay. And said, hey, you want to come work with me in my cafeteria at campus middle unit? And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I love cooking with my mom. So next thing you know, I'm in the kitchen learning how to make cheap pan pizzas, flip hamburgers, and get to leave class early to go get lunch ready for all the 7th and 8th graders. So it all began there. That's pretty cool. And through that time, you know, uh, I worked with uh, Pizza Hut Corporation, and that's kind of where I feel like most kids should learn how to work in the industry because it really shows you speed, quality, and, you know, repetition. So I worked there for four years and moved my way up to a managing position there. And that was, at the time, one of the busiest pizza huts in Colorado. So okay. then off to college, you know, down to Durango, Colorado, Fort Lewis College. I got a degree in art and a minor in French and worked in various restaurants in Durango, including Durango Mountain Resort. Worked in the kitchens up there to get my free ski pass because that's a passion of mine is skiing. And being able to eat, ski in one day, that's pretty awesome. And do it all sure for is. free and make money. So through that time, I was in Durango from 85 to around 93, working at various restaurants again. And then from there, I was like, you know, what do I do? Because I worked with a potter in town, threw pots for him. I mean, I was throwing thousands of pieces a week, just like same kinds of things, just 
learning my trade because I love ceramics. That was my major in art. I was like, is this really what I want to be doing the rest of my life? You know, and then I start thinking, I started doing some research and I was like, well, maybe I'll continue on with food. And um, next thing you know, I'm looking at culinary schools and I looked at all of them. I looked at CIA, Johnson and Wales, and I found this quaint little place in Montpelier, Vermont. It's New England Culinary Institute. I loved it for mm-hmm. the reason that there's small classes, you know, Every class, you were in a running kitchen learning how to do things and why things did things in the pot. So I applied. I got accepted. And then two years later, I got an associate's degree, which I consider my master's because I really put my blood, sweat, and tears in there and something I was paying for and uh, came out of there looking pretty good. And then next thing you know, I ended up in Louisville, Kentucky, where my wife's from, Funny story is I've put all my applications out and I had interviews and no one had anything going on at the time. And then I came by this restaurant. It was called Equus. And I went in there and I handed the chef my resume and stuff. I was so excited. He seemed really happy about it. Next thing you know, I get a phone call. And I don't even know how he got my number. (laughs) But I got a phone call and I forgot to put my telephone number on the resume. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Oops. So the next yeah, so the next thing you know, he's like, Hey, you didn't you know you didn't with your phone number, but I got a hold of you somehow. Next thing you know, I started working with Chef Dean Corbett of Equus and later on became Jack. So two nice fine dining restaurants really honed my skills there. I consider, you know, every kitchen my studio mm-hmm. where I get to go in and just create, you know, and just become a part of what it is. So that was a fun experience. I was there for around 11 years. Okay. And then 16 years later, I'm coming back to Durango with two kids, a dog, a wife, a couple cars. So <laughs> how life changed. But I got a job at the Historic Strader Hotel. Okay. Awesome place, boutique hotel. Interesting enough, it's a 93-room hotel, but it has three restaurants, a hotel banquet, outside banquet, and breakfast. So I was pretty much never put in a situation like that. Self-taught myself in the hotel how to do everything. It was kind of going down, and then all of a sudden I turned it all the way around, and I brought it back up to what its beauty should be, and that place is flourishing and doing really well. But I decided to leave because I had a chance to become an owner of a restaurant in 2012. So I was there for eight years, moved on to Carver Brewing Company, Again, they were having some problems in the food department. Came in there, really just pushed the envelope there and just, again, made that restaurant flourish. Numbers were through the roof. And, and again, COVID hit. So (laughs) that's when things kind of fell apart. Sure. And things changed. So I was kind of let go there um, because of it, you know, and – and I was like, well, what am I going to be doing? You know, I've been doing this for so long. And so I was like, you know, during the time of you know, COVID, I got actually, you know, like three months off of work. And I've never had that much time off in my life. You know, couldn't do anything. But it was a good time for me to reflect on where and what I wanted to be doing and stuff. And so then I decided to do some consulting on the side just to help people, you know, make the restaurant better than it is, or if they're having problems in certain areas, especially with food and stuff and their service, whatever. The Redding family got a hold of me looking for someone like me. 
and then we got to talking and I, you know, they just picked up this restaurant that's right above their other restaurant. And we're talking about how they can do better, improve on certain areas and how they can draw people in, especially here. It's very important to get the locals involved because on the downtime, you know, when the tourists aren't here, you always want locals coming in and enjoying your food. So it keeps things consistent. So next thing you know, long story short there, I helped them. And in the end, they just, they asked me, well, why don't you become our chef? And then I was like, went home and thought about it. And I was like, well, I can, I could do that very easily, you know? And what it did, and I decided I was going to do it, and why I decided to do it is kind of cut my world down um, where I was only running one service. And I was kind of excited about that. You know, mm-hmm. we just made some life choices at home. Kids are going off to college. I'll have more time with my wife. And so I decided I'd take it on. So it's been the best move I've ever made in my career, awesome. I believe. So that's great. So I'm at the roost, just running along and having a blast and just uh, enjoying every day. I went from 30 employees at Carver's down to four employees. So it's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You just take a step back, probably a little easier. Well, that's amazing. And I mean, I, I can hear that you still love it, right? That's uh, that's uh, the killer part about it is you, yeah. you're not someone who's just like, I'm just doing it to do it. You love it. And it, you, you were drawn back to it, whether you realize it or not. That was It was meant to happen. It all happened for a reason, and it put you in a good place, right? It sure did. Wow, what a, what a career. Uh, and it's not over yet, so that's, you know, even better. But, hey, I want to get to um, talking about the Chuck Primal. And there's many, many cuts that come off of, you know, a cow, right? A beef animal there. For sure. We've got that Chuck. And in, in the other part of the podcast, I'd talk about the different cuts you get from there. You got a Chuck roll, Chuck short ribs, uh, the Clod, where you get like the Clod heart and right. Terrace Major, the top blade, which turns into flat irons. So much coming out of that animal. Definitely versatile. Oh, exactly. So tell me some of your experiences with some of those cuts. Like, what is it you love about them? And what maybe you're using today or you used in the past? Why are you using it? And then maybe even some dishes or flavors that you love to use when you're cooking with those. You can't deny the rich, beefy flavor of the shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. Great flavor coming from there. I love it for its versatility, like I said. You know, you can roast, you can saute, you can grill you can fry i mean almost every cooking method possible you can use from the shoulder so that's why i use it and you can get really good flavor and you know contribution from the cuts from the shoulder meaning that you can take the chuck eye roll make it into a really nice steak but really make it into like a really good steak that people love price it right and they you know you pay very little for it but you get a lot for it mm-hmm. so your yep. contribution is pretty awesome so that's why i like working with the secondary i call them the secondary cuts sure that's what makes a chef a chef is how you utilize all these different cuts to me i mean that's my opinion about it you know with what the chuck has to offer you know is so underutilized in my opinion because mm-hmm. um, the only thing i hear from chuck is it makes great ground beef. 
And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, it does, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does, but, you know, I mean, it's like there's so much more to it. You know, those are the pieces that come off all the other cuts that you're using. So mm-hmm. I've used it a lot. So I use the Bistro Tender a lot. I've used the flat iron a lot. Uh, those are nice steak cuts coming off there. I've taken the roast, like the truck shoulder, I guess you would call it. And I use it in a way like I would use a pork shoulder. So okay, I'll yep. submerge it into my southwestern you know, beef broth and let it slow boil, roll, simmer for a long time until that meat really becomes like falling apart. And it's like the best flavor I've ever had in my life. You know, mm-hmm. pull that off. I'll make my burritos or my little tacos with it. You know, I'll make sandwiches with that just alone. That alone right there was just like, and then you just throw it into my green chili, my award-winning green chili. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. So I love that, you know, that you can get so many different things off the shoulders. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's a big piece of meat, right? It is. I mean, you bring that in, you can break it down and, you know, use maybe half of it for Say, you know, or the eye part, you take that and you make your steaks out of it, right? And then yeah. and then the rest where you start getting closer to the head or the neck, it gets a little tough, a little more sinew. That's what you braise. And that's what you yeah. use for your tacos and everything. But yeah. you're right. I mean, it is. And, and I don't think enough people realize it. And if you think about like a pork butt, because this thing's three times the size of a pork right. butt. But it's the same set of muscles. It's just on a cow now, right? Instead of on a hog. But what right. do you do with that? You know, you're either braising that or you're throwing it on a smoker, right? You can do the same thing yep. with that chuck roll. Um, and again, it's it's indulgence. But what you were getting at before, too, is as a chef, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy to just get a ribeye, a strip, and, a, and an eye, a tenderloin, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it seems like everybody carries them. And what do you do with it? You throw it on a grill or you put it in a cast iron skillet. Amazing. Right. Love those cuts. They're great. But there's so much more to this animal, so much up front there on the chuck that if you get creative, it's a lot more profit. Oh, my gosh. The clod heart, I use totally like you know, German food, schnitzels, you okay. know, Rilladens. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it works great for all that, yeah. you know. It's better than, you know, veal. It's, you know, it's got, like again, that rich beefy flavor. You do the Rilladen. And you cook it long or long and slow in its broth and make that amazing gravy, you know? And it's yeah. just it's just again very versatile. You know, mm-hmm. so many different things you can do. You can roast. You know, lately I've been doing you know, I work in areas of the world. It's kinda how I love to work with food. And I've been stuck okay. in Brazil for a while. <laughs> I just it's not love a bad place to be. <laughs> Brazilian uh, you know, meats and the way they prepare them and they're so you know, I think it's called pincha or something like that. Is their traditional, but I'm using other cuts than what they use, which is I think is the top round, something like that. So okay. I'm using other cuts off the shoulder to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, and cutting them down into um, Smaller pieces, like, you know, medallions or thicker chunks of medallions, and quick sautéing these things with Brazilian dry rubs. Okay. And they're turning out fabulous. And people are loving them, and they've never had them before. You know, they're like, what's this? It's like, well, (laughs) 
welcome to the shoulder. <laughs> you uh, know, how are you and, like serving it or what are you serving it with? You know, I'll do like a sweet potato, roasted pearl onion hash okay. with some chimichurri. What I love about the rub is it has a little cinnamon, cumin, coriander, um, a little thyme, salt, and pepper. It really gives us almost like a sweet, robust flavor when you sear it in a okay. nice olive oil. Or you know, I use bacon fat myself, but um, <laughs> <laughs> to really give it that really awesome, different flavor that you never get without putting it on there. I mean, a seared mm-hmm. steak's a seared steak, like we talked about. But now you're adding a crust with a little dimension to it, you know, okay. where you still yeah. get that steaky flavor, but you get this other, um, you know, other accent that comes with it. And that creates the, you know, a new flavor profile for it. And it's sure. just awesome. And uh, Brazilians do it really well. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, they know their beef down there. There's yeah. no doubt about that. That sounds really delicious, and but decadent. And that's the thing about if you treat that cut or those those cuts are there in the chuck right, mm-hmm. the experience that the consumer, the person who's going to eat that should be, it is mouth-watering because you've got all that connective tissue and, and yep. the fat that is all in there that it should blow you away. It's not a lean piece of beef by any means, right? So oh, a no. little bit goes a long way too, right? You don't have to give them a massive amount. There's indulgence, and I think you can give a smaller portion size. But if you treat oh, it right, sure. you can charge them and make profit on something. Just like I, I think of like a pork belly or something like that, right? People don't know what to do with it. It's fairly cheap. A small portion, three ounces on a salad or something, and you can upcharge them for that salad, and they're going to be blown away by it. And yep. you made an extra 2 or $3 on that dish because of that indulgence that goes along with it. 100%. Hey, you, you mentioned flat iron before. That, to me, is a cut that I don't know if everybody's experienced it or worked with it before. What's your experience like with it? So, like at Carver Brewing, it was a high-volume restaurant. So, but I want to incorporate a steak onto my menu. So mm-hmm. flat iron was a perfect thing. You know, they took the, you know, the sinew out, they cut it in half. So you had this nice thin filet that I broke down into smaller sizes. Quick sear, little in the oven. You know, you had a steak mid-well if you wanted in less than 12 minutes. Sure. So really versatile steak, really, really fast. Even faster is to cut it down into medallions. Uh, I use the bistro tender for that, but you can do that with a flat iron too. Sure. Again, yeah, yeah, no quick, quick saute, some mushrooms, some onions, and some gravy, you know, with some mashed potatoes and green beans, you know. I mean, great cuts of meat, great flavor, and for a restaurant, really fast and gets it out. And it's not something, you know, you know, all the extras is what makes it a little different than what you do at home. You know, being the yeah. beef demi as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know something out of a jar or something like that. So those are the uh, expectations of people going out to restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so you try to take these pieces of meats and, and you know, try. I try to make them a little different and a little more challenging than what a normal person at home might try to do with these things. No doubt. So on the um – on the flat iron, which, you know, for those listening, that's you get that off of that top blade. You have to take out that center uh, mm-hmm. connective tissue, which is really thick. Um, mm-hmm. And I th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, too, that it is mm, 
the third or fourth most tender muscle on the animal. Yeah. Do you believe that tenderness is one of the reasons why customers really love that? I, I believe so. The cost effectiveness of it too. Mm-hmm. It's easy mm-hmm. for them to prepare. You know, I've been using it in some uh, curry rice bowls that I do. I mean, oh, yeah. it's it's like throw a little bit of I have my I call it my curry dust. You know, and sear that on the, the flat yeah. iron. You know, again, you're adding another dimension to just the beef. You know, and you're giving it some other characteristics that you might not normally get. And it's as easy as doing that. You know, and, sure. and just changing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I love the flat iron. It's very versatile in as far as cooking preparations are concerned. So no, that's great. You mentioned the bistro tender is what you were saying. Um, uh-huh. I'm assuming that's the terrace major, right? Yep. What are you doing with that? To me, that's like the next best thing to fillet. I mean, and it's like so workable. You just take off that silver skin and you've got this beautiful, you know, what is it? Eight to 10 ounce, you know, piece mm-hmm. of beef that's just like welcoming to do whatever you want i've taken it where i've roulotted it and rolled it out kind of cut it and rolled it out okay pasted a little pesto inside of it rolled it back up tied it then i've also taken make mcdallions and make it simple where i do like the best beef stroganoff you've ever had in your life because the cost of it isn't as much as say the filet you know of course Uh, yeah i mean tender good fat content you know kind of melts in your mouth and really easy to use again uh sauteing and grilling is what i prefer to do with them wow, that's I great love it. so chef have you ever uh, worked with the chuck short ribs i sure have um again great cut of beef i mean lots of flavor right on the bone you know the rib and uh, I usually cut them up and rub them with ancho or mixture that I make at mm-hmm. the roost. And, uh, you know, I sear those down and I slow braise them until almost the meat's falling off the bone. And then I'll hold them in my okay. um, ultra sham and then pull as needed. Okay. Uh, and just, you know, serve them with a nice sauce that comes from beef and make that I make from the mirepoix and such and and I'll serve it with accompaniments of, you know, whatever I'm, whatever I have for the day. It's wonderful. And, you know, I love the flavor profile of the short ribs. It just has a really unique flavor to them. And it's very rich, right? So you don't need Extremely, a lot of Extremely, yeah. No, you're right. And, I mean, that's where the, to me, the chuck short rib being a little smaller than, say, the yep. rib plate short ribs they're much bigger uh you know and there's there's a time i think for both or you know one one dish versus this but yeah it's the right amount to give you know a bone or two to somebody and 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 they're not overwhelmed with too much of that rich beef but that sounds awesome i mean ancho chili rub and kind of gives you the smokiness to it oh i'm sure yeah you use a lot of chilies in your cooking uh, you know, I do, of course, being in the Southwest, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I always have my award-winning green chili on, on every day in the winter, so warms okay. people's soul. There you go. Love it. So, Chef, we talked a lot about the chuck roll earlier on, and something tells me there's a little bit more that we can discuss about that and, and some other way that you've used it in the past. Let's hear it, because I, I know, I know you, and, and I know there's some things you've done with it different. Well, you know, 
what can I make that is like a ribeye, but not the cost of a ribeye? Mm-hmm. And what can I utilize to make that happen and get the same kind of flavors? And it really surprised me when I um, pulled up the Chuck eye roll and um, roasted that with some Brazilian spices on it, cooled it overnight, you know, to a nice medium rare. And the next day thinly sliced it and, um, the, the flavor profile was just amazing. And then I utilized it by making a Brazilian steak sandwich for a okay. special one night. You know, having a kind of almost same look as a ribeye, but a little slower cooking, I slowly cooked it on a flat top just to heat and warm it up. A little okay. butter, mm-hmm. a little salt and pepper. And I threw that on a, a soft hoagie with some chimichurri, some pickled onions, and some um, farm Roma tomatoes and just a little melted um, cheddar on that. And it just flew out the door. I was like totally surprised. I was like, wow. And people, the feedback I got was just like amazing. You know, great flavors. I mean, the steak flavor just stood out. I mean, I'm thinking about that. It's like, well, a duh, this makes so much sense. I mean, we... A lot of people spend big money on a ribeye uh, and maybe turn that into their Philly meat, right? Which makes yeah. amazing Philly meat, but this to me would make amazing Philly meat too, right? This makes so much oh, sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And just this is just another way that maybe not everybody thinks about using something like that. So cooking it, chilling it, slicing it thin, warming it up. I mean, I'm sure it'd be delicious cold also, right? Um, there's no reason for that. So something, something to think about is that not everything has to be served hot. If you, if you if you handle it correctly, it can also turn into a cold dish or somehow a cold oh, preparation sure. later on too, right? Oh, cold, yeah. You can thinly slice that um, up again and, you know, some nice herb goat cheese and serve them as, you know, little past hors d'oeuvres, you know. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It, again, easy to use, you mm-hmm. know. Um, just got to put your mind to it see yeah. what you can do. No doubt. Get a little creative with that yep. in, indulgent, indulgent beef. So that's great. Oh, I love that idea. Really love that idea. Well, thank you. Usually on these podcasts, I've always asked what their favorite cut of meat is. Um, you know, what maybe your best favorite steak, whatever. And you'd give me a year answer. But this time I'm going to focus on the chuck. Yeah. If you were to pick the most favorite part of that and what that meal would end up being with that cut, let me know what that is. Well, I've been working with the Chuck Flat, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. Versatile piece that it is. Um, and the flavor profile is amazing. So that would be probably my favorite cut right there. Um, okay. What I can use it for, how I'm using it. Again, I'm playing with it with my Brazilian spices and stuff, and it's just like amazing. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and – just the way the look of it is really sexy. Sure. So for plate center of the plate, I mean, your options are endless. You know, where if you cut them up into medallions or you slice it after you sear it to perfection, however you want to utilize that cut. But again, the flavor profile on that is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. 
I, I talked about that. I mean, it, it's. I would probably agree with you there, and I would have picked the same. Um, it, it, the marbling in it, it's, yep. it's, it's ultimately that serratus ventralis muscle that runs in, in the whole chuck. This is where it extends out, and we've oh, cut wow. it off. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it can be used for braising, smoking. You, it, it is 100%. Any type of cooking you want to use it for. Slice I've, it I've thin, cut, cook it yeah. thick, doesn't matter. One thing, one thing I played with is I slightly froze it. Okay. And then I took it to my slicer, and so I made long slices of it. So now mm-hmm. I have these amazing, like, like satays. And I put my, my Korean marinade on it. Yep. And, and I'm like, I mean, shh. People are just blown away. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's a perfect you match, right? You know, you sear it uh, or grill it, whatever you want, and then as is. You know, there's mm-hmm. you don't need to add anything else to it. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And and you you know you were talking about Brazilian cooking earlier, and I, I was down in Peru f- mm-hmm. five or six years ago. And and I was doing some uh, cooking demonstrations for a bunch of chefs that run steakhouses down there, and it was with cool. Sterling Silver. And oh, cool. I brought, I had Chuck Flats with me, and oh. and they, the local uh, distributor we were working with, they brought in a bunch of different local uh, news people and all, because it was probably about seventy five people. Um, and you know, oh yeah, with the big American chefs in town, so they have you know they have to make a big hoopla out of it, which which was oh, cool. Awesome. But one of the um, food bloggers that they had there was like some fairly famous um, actress from Brazil, and she also is a big food blogger. And she happened to be in Peru at the time. And you know, they always talk about picanha, that culotte. That's like the Brazilian like yep. gold nugget of of off the animal. Well, I was doing the chuck flats, and I was yeah. taking those, and I was splitting them because they're pretty thick, and then then grilling them, and it was just simple salt and pepper. But the chefs there yeah. never had that that way, and they, mm. and they also, and I think I talked about it in one of the other episodes how they tend to use a lot of rock salt, and half the salt falls off. So I was yeah. showing them how to use some kosher salt, but she came over and she tried the chuck flat, and she was just like, "This is now my favorite cut of meat." And, you know, she's like, Picanha's always been the yeah. best. And she didn't know this existed. Or she never had it that way. Because a lot of people yeah. will either do it thin, Korean barbecue, and, and it's amazing, right? You know, why wouldn't yeah. you? But, or you braise it, which it's amazing. But here's just, yep. as a steak, it's Simple. amazing. <laughs> it's just, across the board, amazing pretty much yep. every way you work with it so i'm glad i'm glad you you picked that one out because i didn't bring that up before when i was talking about different cuts um and you know you basically finished off most of my list here by uh bringing that up as as your favorite and awesome. it's amazing that's so cool well hey chef i mean this has been great and i really thank you so much for your time uh, and and your your thoughts ideas perspective all that, all about the Chuck, and just in general, I mean, your, your passion and love for the industry. Um, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you again in the near future. And sure. uh, definitely um, thanks from all of us here. I truly appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. And, you know, I'm just a simple chef doing simple things. <laughs> Take care, Dave. 
Have a great day. Listeners, be sure to join us next time as we continue our look at beef primals. On the next episode, we'll be turning our attention to the brisket, plate, and flank. Those hardworking but flavorful cuts from the underside of the animal. You'll want to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on that. In closing, thank you for joining us on In the Kitchen with Sterling Silver. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to slice into the amazing world of beef. Until then, happy eating! To get the next episode delivered to your inbox, subscribe on our website, sterlingsilvermeats.com. Just sign up for our e-newsletter at the top of the page. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to follow at Sterling Silver Premium Meats on Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats.